Just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. In the culture war, there are no winners, just podcasters. Only a few are willing to risk their lives in the face of some of the dumbest ideas to have ever captured human civilization. Every week, we, Megan Daum and Sarah Hader, humbly accept this mission in order to bring you conversations that are equal parts stunning, brave, and unhinged. Welcome to A Special Place in Hell. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Megan. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. I've been, um, I've been, I've been doing some of my hobbies lately. Do, do you have any hobbies? I, you seem like a uh, not a hobby person. I actually have tons of hobbies. Well, I used to have tons of hobbies. I don't yeah. have many hobbies anymore, but I, I used to have all kinds of hobbies. You know, they say women don't have hobbies. Oh, really? Have what about, about like cross? This is like the mat, the mat, manosphere has this criticism, um, of women. I don't think it's true. I <laughs> really? I think, well, yeah. I mean, it, it's just, I think that when they say hobby, they mean something you just have to be like as obsessive as a man would be about, which is to say like, yeah. So in, if that's the, if that's the line, then yeah, women don't have hobbies because we're not spending all our time, you know, absorbed. Uh, in, we're not in, we're not in like community. We're not in Reddit. Yeah. Right. We're not in Reddit communities about knitting or uh, yoga, right? I guess. Okay. Yoga's well, anyway, so um, I guess if you don't take it seriously enough, I guess. Wait, like, okay. I guess does exercise qualify as a hobby? Yeah, maybe I don't not. Think it, it has does. to be something totally, totally yeah. frivolous, right? Like gardening can or be a like hobby. An, in collecting. It doesn't. Have, I mean, ho- not that hobbies are frivolous. Um, well. My hobby is definitely uh, frivolous because the only thing I really enjoy doing on weekends is going to open houses. Um, mm, even if I'm okay. not looking for a house, obviously, but I just love going inside of houses that are for sale and, um, seeing them. And, uh, last weekend I went to uh, a bunch of open houses in the Los Angeles area and, uh, I got to one of them and um, this was not exactly in, it's not like it was in the middle of the city, but it was, you know, on the outskirts suburb and uh, the brokers were sitting in there and they said, Oh, it's, it's good that you came now because we had to delay the start of the open house because there was a family of bears in the jacuzzi. A whole family. Now I was like, a family of bears. I was like, don't sold, sold. I, I don't even need to see the rest of the house. Like that is all I need to know. You should, I, I said, and they, they, you know, I was like, put an extra zero on the price because that's worth it to me. Uh, yeah, they, this is, was just normal. They had, uh, they had pictures of the bears. They were showing me, they had videos of the bears. It was a, a family, meaning like a mom and cubs. It was a, you know, the okay. father was no, oh, no father. Of course, it was a modern okay. family. That's considered a bear family. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so I don't know. Like, I, I just, it made me think, like, are we so cavalier? Is, is this climate change? Like, and this is actually not the first bear related conversation I've had at an open house. Um, no. In Los Angeles. No. Uh, and I, what? I mean, they're seeing them all over. It's like, I think it must be the heat and the, their climate. I mean, they're having to come down the mountains and get in people's garbage and stuff. 
Yeah. I don't know why that would, why would uh, heat make them go down? I don't know. Well, I don't know anything about this. Yeah. So well, question. they and get you, in people's, uh, because of really drought. Okay. Well, but I think it's in the mountains, of drought, and then they get in people's cooler. Right? In the mountains, it's well, cooler, it's I mean, nicer, it's more the pleasant. Mountains. Why are they coming? We're in the okay. foothills okay. here. But I think that they, they're they running out of uh, food, like natural food sources. That, okay. So they come down and get the human food. And they also get in people's swimming pools and apparently jacuzzis. And have a nice swim. Aw, that's cute. Yeah. I, I know. I sweet. think so, too. So but I would let it them did, it hang out little... in my jacuzzi if I had one. Totally. Yeah. Any, yeah. any wildlife, if I they want to come and take a little dip, that's fine. I would get in with them. I would really? have a yeah, oh, okay. picnic, yeah. the literal Eddie mm-hmm. picnic in the jacuzzi. Aww. Yeah, cute. Maybe uh, drop some acid. Yeah. Anyway, um, so that was my uh, my little this was my little opening chit chat. So, all right. Well, you know we have some things to talk about. Uh, we're back to school. It's back to school season. Do you uh, do you wish you were in school? Do you Absolutely do you miss not. those days? Not at. All I'm so every day I wake up and I think, wow, I'm so glad I'm not. I'm so glad I'm too old for that. I'm so glad I left the K through 12 system. It's gone behind me. No one can make me do it again. They made me do it the first time. It was, I mean, and you know, I started off as a huge nerd. So it, it was just, it, it was a unexpected, um, turn for me as far as like my family and friends were concerned, how much I started to hate school by the end of it. But, Initially, I was a little oh, really? teacher's pet. Yeah. Good, like, perfect yeah. grades. Like, yeah. that. That I was that kid for a very, very long time. Um, until I realized it was all full of shit, and I couldn't wait to get out of there. You liked school. You were a school person. No. I was no? not a good student, actually. I was, I was re- like, I'm one of those weird, uh, I was, like, very, very good in certain things, and, like, absolutely atrocious, like, almost like learning disabled. I feel like I must have been borderline learning disabled in <laughs> math, but like if they had had at that time, uh, um, like the same sort of me- measurement system or like evaluations or whatever, like, you know, if there had been sort of subtler gradations of um, deficiency, I think I might've qualified for some kind of like special help or something in, in math, but I was just so bad. And mostly I was, I just had no interest. I would like space out. Um, mm. Well, and, so much uh, of was math is like just having the difference between having a good math teacher, like somebody who's really enthusiastic about the subject matter. I feel like this is, this is one of the things where, um, math and science are especially robbed in schools when it comes to enthusiastic teachers, because, you know, I, f- I feel like I had so many enthusiastic English and history teachers. Mm. I look back on that. I'm like, why did, why did I have like so many, like, wow, like a mate, like people who were like, they loved literature, they loved, you know, and they're so excited to read, you know, Poe to you or whatever. And they, they, they couldn't wait till you, till, till you heard it. Um, and I don't know if I got the equivalent of that in math and science as often. And I'm thinking it's because the people who are very good at math and science and they feel that passionately about it, they just go out and make a lot of money in like the real world. But oh, they don't have to English teach, become teachers. But, but, <laughs> but I, I, you right. know, do, you don't think you don't think that there's something to that that like really passionate literature geeks don't have like a really easy way to practice what they love 
or something related to it. Yeah, and and make money. Like they just don't have a. They just don't. There are not many ways to, uh, to utilize that degree. And so, if you really just want to talk about great literature all day, you you know, maybe you maybe you should be a teacher, and then you can talk, and then you can, you know, um, yeah, exactly. Your passion. You're good at math, right? Like why? And you you want to do math? uh, Yeah. Why would you be a math teacher? Unless you're like Jaime Escalante or something like, you know, what? Uh, stand and deliver, you know, unless you're one of those like life changing, those math teachers te- teaching in the, in the yeah. inner city and, you know, getting the I kids. I just think to, that's rare. I just think that's fan. rare. It's, of course, it's rare. The English teachers. It's, it's, it's yeah. almost unheard of. Yeah. 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 I, my, I'm trying to think who my math teachers were. I mean, they were just, they, they hated me. Um, mm. And uh, I remember they I were shocked it. that I got in, that I got into a decent college. They were absolutely shocked because, like, I I shouldn't have. I mean, I, I did not deserve to to get in where I got in. I don't. I, I I kind of just finagled my way by saying I had other talents, but in a way that would never work now. But um, yeah, I don't know. But I bet I wonder. Like, there's Russian math and everything. I don't know what that means. I wonder if there's like other ways of learning math that I could have actually you know, benefited from. Yeah, I think so. I, I think the, th- there's a lot of like theory about this that I'm like kind of mildly obsessed with because I think that my K through 12 experience was, I, part of the reason I'm so angry with, with it is because I feel like I, I am the kind of person who would have made a perfect student in an ideal environment or even a decent environment, but I had such a bad environment and it wasn't as if I was in the worst school district and the worst school. It wasn't that. I was in decent, pretty decent, actually a fairly good high school. Um, uh, lots of opportunities for AP classes, that kind of thing. And, you know, I was in the gifted program, so I got special attention in that regard as well. At the same time, I just feel as if I came out of it at the end, hating school, hating, like feeling as if it wasn't about learning. It was just about getting a certain kind of grade, which was not the same thing and recognizing the, the distinction there. Um, and, uh, and, and also, you know, more than a little bit feeling as if some of the teachers were not qualified to do what, what they were set out to do. You know, mm-hmm. there were too many of my AP teachers who were, they, 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 sh- they shouldn't have been AP teacher. I had, um, I remember my macro teacher, my macroeconomics teacher, she did not she should not have been teaching anything near as complicated as AP macro. Like any, was she anything like near it. Beating people up or what do you mean? No, she was so nice. She was super fun. I mean, she was just, she was somebody's like oh. hokey little mom, you know, and she was, she always had these great stories to tell us and she was, she was fun and she was just fun to be around. She didn't teach well. We didn't understand it. I don't think she super duper understood her you know her subject we watched um a lot of uh john stossel and he had like a series or something where john stossel investigates you know like various issues and yeah you know in american life and he's a libertarian so he was he had this very libertarian view and he would you know like there was episodes where he would uh, debunk homelessness (laughs) homelessness <laughs> just um go yes. you know, talk to homeless and people would go and be out like, and blame do you want a job or do you want this free money and that they'd be like money please and he'd be like aha like you don't really want a job you don't you you just want you just want money um anyway he was he made some good points actually but 
It was obviously ridiculous. The whole thing was ridiculous. We watched a lot of it. We watched a lot of John Stossel. Um, Mm-hmm. Every, you know, like I think Fridays, she would just, she would just be like, let's just watch this, this amazing episode of, from, you know, John's <laughs> little, little mini series. Okay. And I think one class wrote letters to him. I don't know. It was, it was a lot. But the, anyway, that was my, oh my gosh. class. You know, it was not, it did okay. not, I, I didn't learn a thing, a, a useful thing at all. Um, there was, I feel like there was a little too much of this in, in K through 12 and it, it, I ended up hitting. I remember one class. There was, I had to have a, pers- a create a persuasive argument of speech, speech class. And I had to do, um, uh, there was a creative, uh, a persuasive argument that I have had to make. We could pick the topic. I picked, you would like this. This is why I bring it up. Assisted suicide, um, euthanasia. And oh, that yes, was going to be my, my yeah, your favorite topic. We love estate. suicide, but also, yeah, yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, this was my persuasive topic that I chose, and I was going to convince people that assisted suicide in some, some circumstances was a, uh, a good thing, you know, and, um, uh, merciful some. thing, whatever. Really all, but this is, you got to ease them into it, Megan. Um, yeah, that's first true. you start by just the terminal cases, and then you end up with the Obama death panels. Um, but anyway, we, yeah, I gave the talk. And afterwards, she pulled me to the side. The teacher pulled me to the side. I won't forget it. She was like, can you stay after class? I was like, okay. I stayed after class. And she had a big, she gave me a big lecture about how suicide is bad. And it's really bad to make suicide seem like, uh, like an amazing thing. And how dare I and all this stuff. And, you know, gave me a B too. And it was a great, I did a great job. It was a great essay, but I guess I was a little too effective. Um, yeah. And that was, I just feel like I came out of that thinking, I hate school. <laughs> I hate school. Yeah. I, 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 I hate. Do you still I have the this. essay? You can, you can repurpose it. I had like a whole stuff. PowerPoint. I had a whole PowerPoint presentation and it was great. It was wow. excellent. I convinced people. My friends afterwards were like, oh, wow, I changed my, I changed my mind on this. Um, but I actually did like yeah. too much of a good job and she punished me for it. Um, yeah. And I just, I, I, I can give I a used to have, I had an English. Email. Yeah. I had an English teacher who used to accuse me of uh, plagiarizing my my papers, my essays, because they were so good. Because they were too good. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Megan, they were too good. I know, but he, well, he now apologized. You can remember, now you, can, you have that as later, a feather on your cap. A professional writer, yeah, exactly. He did, um, but you know, okay, he did. It's interesting. He didn't. I mean, he was. Just, oh no, but he. I don't know if he apologized, but I. Th- I think he like. I, I think he actually accused a lot of people of plagiarizing. Like, if they were, if their papers were really good, he would call you in and ask if you actually wrote it, and that was like uh, a, a feather in your cap. That was like a sign that of, of praise. And if you if you hmm. defended yourself as not having plagiarized it, then you he'd give you an A. So. Um, I mean, yeah, there was no way to Google that back then. There was no way they couldn't, there yeah. was no like turn it in or all those programs that they use. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, he just had to take now my they word have for AI. it. Anyway, um, I don't even know how teachers no. are going to get around that. Like now, I think there can't be any take home essays anymore. Like they're just, it can't be a thing. Oh, they're um, already stopping them. Yeah. 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 I know. Makes sense. Well, okay. I, this is actually, uh, this kind of dovetails into what we're going to talk about. I find it interesting that your teacher was a John Stossel fan because mostly teachers are so like left leaning that Texas. I would think that they would not, not like, okay. Okay. Texas, All right. Yeah. Fair enough. It was Texas. Um, okay. So you were, uh, against school, uh, by the time you were in high school. What, what about when you got to college? 
yeah, I don't think I, my college experience was actually pretty like chill and, and relaxed compared to my K, you know, K through 12 experience. At least, um, it was easier than high school, but it was almost a little too easy. I feel like I wasn't sufficiently challenged in college and maybe it was, um, part of, you know, not being connected to the, like not being matched properly with the college that maybe I should have gone to if I wasn't, uh, so lazy and depressed, um, at the end of high school. But I, (laughs) there was a sense of like, why am I here and what am I learning? Sometimes I had classes that I felt like changed, like, wow, it expanded my horizons. Like I I feel so differently about things afterwards. I've talked about in this podcast about my, all my anthropology courses, um, that I later, you know, now that I'm a little bit older, find, find out uh, you know we're kind of filled with garbage that wasn't uh you know solidly like it it wasn't really um at that even at that time that i took the class the professor should have known this wasn't true like we know that this isn't true we know that that's not how it happened like what kinds of Uh, things it was so much bullshit about hunter-gatherer like primitive societies uh, so much of it seems like it was very politically motivated, you know, that we, we wanted it to be the case that primitive societies basically had no war. <laughs> you know, they were very, very peaceful compared to us. Oh. Um, because there were no hierarchies back then and there was no, you know, so nobody, people, people didn't fight and there were so many more matriarchies or egalitarian societies. And oh my gosh. Uh, right. I'll, I mean, all this stuff that I don't think is very, is, is supported by, the evidence and so much of, you know, uh, what we discussed, it was beautifully stated, you know, like it was my, my, my professor was it a very sounds like a person. lovely narrative. Right? It was a lovely narrative. And like I loved it. Learning like folk, like folklore. Right. It, I, I, as a woman who was coming, young woman who was coming out from a really traditional conservative background. And I had just, you know, shed relig- my religion and, and, was wanting a view of the world that would f- make me feel powerful. Um, this was the right way to do it. You know, it was, it was everything, everything harmful about the universe is constructed, like socially constructed. And, uh, we can just, uh, remold the world, uh, educate people out of patriarchy. I mean, there was all this, uh, beautiful kind of thinking. And of course, I'm phrasing it in a way that, the professor wouldn't have never said things in in such a way. She was a a brilliant narrator. Um, I'm specifically thinking about a cultural anthropology course because that was the worst of all the anthropology classes that I've taken or sociology classes that I that I've taken. And the professor was a very magnetic woman. She had a very interesting accent. I, I, I didn't know what kind of accent it was. I'd never heard it before. It was Turkish. Um, but I, <laughs> I, mean, I, oh, I didn't know okay. any. I didn't know many Turks at There's that time. There's always that professor with the the undefinable accent. We have uh, well, a couple of those do you too. do you know what yeah. a Turkish accent sounds like? Because I I hadn't heard of it before no. until until then. It's it's very it's, it's odd. It's definitely it's definitely a unique unique accent. Um, and I, you know, she was worldly. She was traveled. She was, um, very knowing, you know, she had this like knowing kind of like air about her. It felt to me like she was filled with all kinds of wisdom. Um, and in that class though, she beautifully, like just, just, it really wasn't, it's a kind of genius 
to be able to craft a course in a way that the students feel as if they're not being forced into any kind of conclusion, but ultimately you've laid the crumbs in such a way that they will only have, they will only go to one conclusion. You know, the only conclusion is that, you know, uh, patriarchy is all man-made bullshit. Like it's not, there's nothing, it's not, it's just how things happen to be in our society mm-hmm. it's not there's nothing biological or inherent or whatever like no, nothing about the the dynamics that are set in stone in any kind of way there's you know uh, race is a is a social construct sex roles are entirely constructed and based off of nothing and uh, in our in our uh, primitive past we were docile but it, did the hunter sex roles the men but the men were the, the men, men were Megan. still like hunting and the women were gathering so how can there not be but sex it roles so, it was so equal because uh you know both 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 gen both the sexes were producing and bringing something to the table and uh, you know men weren't jealous sexually jealous back yeah then. like a lion down. versus and some berries i just uh, yeah i mean there was i and again she never I'm phrasing it now in this way where it sounds absurd, but the way that she crafted the class, it, it was, I felt as if I was discovering these truths. I was discovering them, you know, and mm-hmm. she was just giving me the right tools. Um, and then only later, you know, I only much, much later, I find out that all this, all these, this, this evidence that was sort of, you know, strewn about to help me reach this conclusion was flawed. You know, either the studies that were based on were like very methodologically flawed, um, or, you know, uh, very much political, political, like polit- political bias. Often it wasn't even like the specific ethnographer that was biased. It was the interp, like the, the, the people who interpreted right. the findings yes, of the they get bastardized. Yes. Right. And, and that, that was happening quite a bit. People were taking, you know, one little crumb of like one, one Eskimo culture in, you know, one woman who spent two weeks with, uh, uh, an, an Inuit family whose language she didn't speak and she has, <laughs> she has all the cultural appropriation. Can you imagine? And, like she just came in with her like Ugg boots and sat there oh and took God, some notes for a couple I mean, weeks, and that was. But yeah. now, and but they, they taught us that you know these little these ethnographies like can it, they would take some little finding and expand it out um, yeah. into what human nature is and what human culture is, what human social organization is, and I just felt like for years I had to deprogram myself almost, you know. But I I. I didn't know what was true and what was, because of course, some things were true. Many things were true that she, that she taught, but some things weren't. And I didn't know which was which. And I, I just uh, came out of it thinking, okay, what a, what an unreliable narrator. And, and, and how much has this been happening throughout my quote unquote education that I paid a lot of money for? You know, how much of this is, do I have to question again? And so it, it, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, yeah, we had a conversation about this yesterday, um, as we were thinking about what to talk about. And I think you and I disagree here, uh, in an interesting way in that I'm very, um, I'm feeling very skeptical about higher education as a whole. Um, specifically, you know, less so when it comes to the kinds of fields that have an interaction with reality, you know, for one reason or another, because I mean, physics, you have to, you're dealing, (laughs) I mean, yeah, kind of, but you do have to, if you're in the physical sciences, 
you have to run into reality. You, you're literally measuring and yeah. studying reality. So yeah. Although, it, it yes, finds a way to correct you, even if you have biases. It, it eventually, it, if all things are working right, uh, you should eventually get closer to the to the truth of the matter. But when it comes to the social sciences and the humanities, uh, yeah. largely like broadly speaking there's no correction you know there's no proper correction so how can we know what how do i tell who is a good professor or who is about who is somebody who is leading me towards actually greater knowledge in an area and a broad like a a sophisticated understanding of of the world and who is just a very sophisticated and worldly salesman so i'm curious how old was this anthropology teacher professor I couldn't tell you. Probably, you probably was, at the time like, you probably thought she was like in her fifties. She was probably in her thirties. Ancient, you know. To me, I I, I don't know. She, I think she probably yeah, was exactly. in her fifties. She probably was in her fifties. Um, she seemed a little bit older than that to me. That's why I say fifties. Um, okay, but she I remember there. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, in your uh, twenty, you're twenty one. You're like everyone. Everyone sees. Oh no, everyone sees old because I I went I went back and was teaching in the same program that I had been a grad student in, and it was hilarious because there were all these there were professors there who were still who had been my professors who were still teaching and who are now my colleagues, and I remember looking at them and being like, oh my god, that person is like not that old, and I thought I remember being in my twenties and thinking this person was. Ancient. Really old. Yes. Yeah. And so my students must have thought I was like in my 60s. You know, I was in no, my 40s. I, I didn't I think in she my was early that. 40s and they must have thought I was 60. Did you have a sense that there were other professors who were known for offering a different view or like, you know, it's, it's not like it's a, it's a monolith or, or was it? Oh, because it was definitely, you know, it generally, definitely, well, definitely is a monoculture. That's the other problem is that when it comes uh-huh. to s- specific fields, sociology, uh, anthropology, increasingly political science, um, that there's, there's so much of it is politicized. And because you don't really have dissenting voices, how many like po- uh, mm-hmm. conservative sociologists do you know? How many exist? You know, I mean, Jonathan Haidt had done so much work on well, this, the, uh, in, in psychology. Yeah, they're, they're um, at think tanks. They're not at universities. They're yeah. not at universities at all. I mean, they're, they're rare. Right. It's rare to encounter somebody in the social sciences or even, well, I found, I found like at, at hum, in the humanities, it depend, it depended a little bit on the subject. It, in history, sometimes you'd run into like a conservative. Sometimes in the classics, you'd run into somebody who might call themselves like, center center right but mm-hmm. in the social sciences like never you know not at all uh and right. it, it, political science some sometimes political sciences can if scientists can be a little bit more um m- balanced economics you have a yeah. little bit more balancing yeah. but on the whole the universities are just a, a, just such an intense monoculture and i'm surprised that this isn't this isn't like a a, a you know a five alarm, you know, red alert kind of a problem. Because in any other scenario, we would see this as an incredible problem. I keep phrasing it in the same way to get the to get the the the, the message through to some of my very lefty friends. You know, the first thing they'll say is just well it's just because the, the truth, if you get highly educated, you can't help but be yeah, a, smart a, people a, are like be yeah. that's the way yeah they think the causation is is it because they've never they don't know where smart uh 
conservatives are. They've never I met, think that's they true well, because we used to see – yeah, we see conservatives on Fox News, and that's a, not a smart place to be. Right, and so, that's, not where yeah. you, that's not where you go. Um, yeah, but I, yeah. So I, I I just phrase it in the way like what would what would happen if you if the if the reverse was true what would you now assume is true about the about the world if you know ninety ninety eight percent of the department that your daughter is going to school uh, 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 you know uh, the department that your daughter is enrolled in at her university is left or far left you know anywhere anywhere from a little left to yeah, crazy think, marxist yeah uh, yeah i think that um it's a, i think that a lot has changed i mean certainly a lot has changed in the last 15 years dramatically and um it's been 30 years since i was in college and this was definitely i mean definitely most of the professors were on the left but there were always some crusty old ones that had been teaching the same thing for 40 years and everybody knew it. And, and, you know, there were some like old geezers who you knew were rolling their eyes at some of the young hip kind of like social theory types, critical theory types. Um, and I guess I felt like there was, you, there was sort of a buffet. Like you knew you were going to take so-and-so's class and get one thing. And then you knew you were going to take somebody else's class and get something else. Um, uh, but I think that you're right that a, a tremendous amount has changed. I mean, just, like the the role of administrators i mean the the administrative bloat uh mm -hmm. has I, I wonder like what the effects of that have been i mean the 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 thing is that regardless of the political leanings of the faculty administrators are so far left leaning like by a just enormous ratio that mm -hmm. i wonder if i i i wonder what the role of the administrators are like in terms of um guiding the intellectual uh, conversation that anybody's having at any given time. I mean, do, how many administrators were floating around when you were in college that you were? I, mean, I, I didn't meet them. You know, I didn't really know them, yeah. but I, they, I think they're just hanging out in the back. You know, they're just sort of, they're involved, right. but they're not directly involved. I think that that's definitely, I, I think you have a good point. That's definitely a part of the problem, just administrators in general. But I also think that, it is relevant that if you poll professors, you know, you poll them on their on their ideological views, they are far more uniform, uniformly left than they used to be. Um, like in your time when you're talking about this buffet, I think I I had a few professors like this, like old guys, but they were going to retire, you know, like they're going to go away and right. they're going to be replaced by somebody young who feels as if, you know, you know, this is their calling. And fi finally, this is, th this is how they will, um, you know, project their social justice mission onto the world. And I find it to be, um, extremely, uh, it, it makes me nervous because I think that no matter what I say, I, 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 I have a lot of skepticism in our institutions. And I voice that skepticism on this podcast a lot, but I feel that these institutions are extremely important. Like I'm, a, I'm an institutionalist, you know, I, I, I think that this is what makes America, America and what makes it, we're really a first world country that functions well. It, 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 it needs institutions, uh, to, you know, soften, uh, power in, in, in a lot of different ways and filter in other interests like finding the finding pursuit uh, the, the pursuit of truth and and freedoms and all kinds of things like this is something that 
our institutions provide us. Uh, and it's something that we should, we should fight for. So it's terrible to see academia become such a like wretched, you know, like a very active base of activism. And I don't think that, I don't think academics take this seriously enough, especially if they're already on the left. Um, if they're kind of leaning right, they, they take it seriously. If they're on the left, they're very just like blah about it. They don't, cause they don't, they don't know to the extent, the extent to which it is affecting them, their social environment. They don't know how much poorer their scholarship is because of their environment. And they are not, you know, their political instincts do not, you know, put them in a position where, where they're questioning, you know, the bad, the bad theories that are coming out. Uh, well, I from their some own of camp. them. I mean, so there are certainly I think, plenty who are frustrated. Look, look, who we hear from all the time. I mean, I'm sure we have many people listening to this podcast who are professors, and they're like, "Well, wait a second. If you only knew the the cognitive dissonance I feel, and and the then why are they doing the anything about it? I mean, here, here's the other because well, here's the thing: the vast majority of professors on campuses now are adjuncts. They're not tenure track. Mm -hmm. They don't, they're not tenure and they're not even tenure track. I mean, mm -hmm. according to some data and this, I, I've read this in several places, 75% of college faculty are now off the tenure track. So okay. I think what we have is like, you know, it, we have tenured professors who are aging out. You're right. Like that's become a thing of the past. And in order to save money and also because of this administrative bloat, these colleges are hiring people who they're paying like in some cases like $3,000 for the semester. And those people have to behave themselves if they want to get asked back. And often they're juggling several teaching gigs at different places, even in the same semester. And I mean, there's, there's like a whole bunch of things going on. Um, and I'm not sure it's, you know, I'm, I always have a hard time thinking like, oh, this is some kind of ideological plan. It's just a, a whole bunch of things have lined up in such a way to create this monoculture. And it is destructive. Right, right. 100%. No, I, 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 agree, I agree with you. It's not as if there's a the, I, I don't think that there is a, a plan to make this a reality in college campuses and that certainly lots of things feed into it. But the problem is that people don't see it as enough of a problem. And professors don't, professors don't, tenure track professors don't. I, I, you know, I, I talk to, uh, professors constantly, people at really prestigious institutions and they kind of see it as a problem. They sort of, you know, they go, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, like they do, they do that when I talk about it, but they, I don't think they take it as a serious threat to, academia and i don't think they they fully perceive how how uh how terrible it is um for 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 americans you know as a people to be able to uh, not trust our you know education uh, I mean, our, I, our I, institutions I, of higher education the ones that are steeped in it right now, yeah, that's probably true. But I mean, I just there are countless academics I've heard. But from how many? Like, how oh my many? God, the I can't get out soon enough. Like they're thank God they're retiring. Like they 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 you know they're just like you know leaving while the house is on fire behind them. Uh, I mean, right, I, don't that, I don't know. I guess if it's in your interest. Well, what do you I, mean? I feel as if so. I mean, I, I see what you're, I see what you're saying. Like, don't paint them all by one brush because there are a few of them that are unhappy with it, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if there's a, a tiny mind. I think there's more than a few. Then why aren't they speaking out? Then why aren't they speaking out? If there's so many. Because they need, again, ultimately everybody same reason knows, nobody speaks out. 
they want to keep their jobs. They got to pay their mortgages. So then maybe we just need tenured professors to start speaking out, right? Like, I mean, then we need uh, people who have these kind of guarantees to do something about it. But in fact, tenured professors don't speak out, you know, and I I think that this is this is partially why what you're talking about when in terms of uh, what you're talking about in terms of job security, I'm kind of ambivalent about about it all because i i think that that it could be pushing in multiple directions um i think that there is a way in which tenure actually fosters conformity in multiple ways one in the way that you kind of mentioned where you want to keep your job but but more than just you want to keep your job it's not just if everybody was on the same level like playing field it would be different but they want to get to the jobs that are totally protected they want to get to tenure they want to work their way up that ladder and finally be assured of a position forever. And that's why they stay quiet. Um, if that wasn't a carrot at the end of the stick, then I think that, you know, this idea that you might lose your job tomorrow, it wouldn't be as scary because kind of everyone is, the, the stakes are different, you know, at that point. And everyone is kind of a little worried about it. So an old, a, a tenured, right, right now, a tenured professor who says garbage is not, no, no one can stop this person from being absurd. No one can stop this person from being as active they can as get they other, want to be. They can be sanctioned in other ways. I mean, they can so be what's, forced so what, to teach classes they don't want to teach. They can be, have their office get smaller and smaller until it moves into the basement. I mean, there are So then why do we have tenure? Like, you know, why, why do we... It, this idea that what we actually need to do to get per, to get academics to be, you know, just truly like it, what's holding them back from their from their, f- f- uh, you know, tr- free free se- what 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 would stop them from self censoring is if you just take away all the um, you know uh, ne- negative repercussions. Uh, fi- mm-hmm. like financial negative repercussions specifically, if you just take away, if you give them full job security, everybody who joins a campus has tenure, would this make the environment better? I argue no. I think counterintuitively it wouldn't. This idea that if you give them, you know, you, you take away their financial, um, you know, woes and professors feel as if they have a certain um, uh, amount of security in their job, intuitively, we all want to say that 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 makes them freer or it should it should right technically but okay, i think well the- if you t- i mean i don't i don't disagree with you but it's not the, there's no practical solution because if you got rid of tenure everyone is effectively going to be an adjunct and then yep. they're going to then it's going to function like a corporation and then you're going to have you know they're going to fire the expensive old people and they're going to just keep hiring young cheap people and we're going to have a cheap labor force and that's not that's a disservice to students I mean, I, we've already well, got I, I, teaching I, assistants teaching half the classes at big universities how would you say you know um what would you say would be a a a method that we could judge the quality of of a professor or of you know a higher education teacher See, like any measure it's hard because is there any measure right i mean it used to be uh, right like i mean it, it used to be i guess like the quality of your publications uh mm-hmm. we peer reviewed stuff then it started the to be student evaluations yeah, no, Okay, but mm-hmm. that, but the student ever since the students became the customers, which probably started happening in the 1980s, um, student evaluations are taken much more seriously. 
And that, mm-hmm. th- you know, then you, the, a, a professor would have an incentive to like, be like your, your anthropology professor and just present a very compelling narrative. Um, be, you know, kind of a, a seductress of her class. I mean, that's very powerful in its own way. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but I'm not sure that getting rid of tenure is, is a panacea because, I mean, it's already, already, these are very, very few <laughs> who, who have tenure. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and also right, if right. you get rid of it, then the administrators are truly going to be in charge. Like if you, if you've got a bunch of adjuncts, which we already have, say we have all adjuncts, nobody with tenure, the people with like quote unquote real jobs are going to be the administrators. And well, those people still a are job. I mean, not, it's, it's a, I, well, I feel like okay. that's a kind of an extreme. Uh, like it, it's as if the corporate world doesn't have jo- people who stay in a company for 10 years, as if there's no job security at all in the, in the, corporate but the world. corporate world is about they're, making they're, money. There's a measurable metric. Okay. Like, right. If but you even make money having for your a bunch company- of, I mean, I had adjunct professors um, in college and they were my, some of my worst professors because they just didn't know what they could no kidding. Clearly they didn't have experience teaching and it wasn't that they weren't intelligent or, or, or they didn't have a desire to teach. It was just that they weren't good at, they didn't have experience. They weren't good at it. Why well, would also that probably be something got, we, you know, five other jobs. Actually, the, I was shocked. I read this. The average age of an adjunct is 46. I mean, yeah, people are doing this their entire careers at this point. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, so, I, I definitely I don't think know, but, the system yeah. is broken in multiple ways. But I don't think that if you got rid of tenure, you would just turn into a bunch of ad- adjuncts because there are lots of countries in Europe that don't have like an equivalent to tenure, and they still have professors. They have assistant professors and and full professors, but like yeah, but they also have free college. A lot them. of them, yeah, but they're not. Their students are not being treated as customers because the students they've got like. But I, I don't. I think treating a student as a professor uh, as a customer is a different system. A student, but, 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 you know, I had bad experiences with adjuncts. So if, as a student, if I was a customer, if I gave an evaluation, I would say, I really like this professor, but he doesn't know how to teach. And I, you know, some of my best professors were older professors, experienced teachers. And I don't know why, I'm not sure if it's immediately, it's, 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 it's definitely the case that student evaluations means more adjuncts and less full professors, unless, unless you think that years of teaching don't, lead to better no i don't i think that's a separate issue the student evaluations is a separate that's a separate issue i just mean that like if you if 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 tenure was not a thing there would be absolutely no incentive to hire qualified experienced people that cost some money all you would do is hire cheap cheap, because it's cheap labor because why would why would getting rid of tenure what's why would tenure why does tenure um I guess I'm not understanding your logic. You're saying without tenure, there would be no incentive to not hire a bunch of adjuncts. Yeah, they would, if you got tenure, you're guaranteed a certain salary. I mean, there's all kinds of perks that come with that that cost the university money. They've got to pay you health insurance. They got to pay you all the things that a regular so employee gets paid. If you that, get rid of that, it, yeah. Well, if you get rid of that, you would have more full professors and fewer adjuncts because tenure is so expensive. It's like when you have teachers, like uh, teachers that you can't fire because of student, because of a teacher's union, you know, protections. There's like parts of the country where you just can't fire a public school teacher once you've hired them. It's incredibly hard to get rid of them. And right. when you create an, an environment in which it's incredibly hard to get rid of a bad performer. You 
you actually create an environment where people don't want to hire that quickly. Like you, they're, they're scared of offering that full-time, you know, that, that kind of position to people because they don't want to be stuck with this person forever. So why, right. That's why it's so hard to get a professor job. No, but why? So get rid of tenure and then tenure track positions, period. And then universities, you know, by that logic, universities should be more open to hiring much more stable professor jobs and more stable than adjuncts, not as stable as tenure track, but Mm-hmm. Much, much more stable. Yeah, look, Wouldn't that, I mean, I'm just saying I, look, that, that I, your logic for, yeah. you know, why adjuncts get hired and why full, full I, I think it kind of works the opposite way. Like, I think it might be the case that tenure makes it more difficult because it's such an expensive, like, it's such an ex- a huge expenditure for universities and then you can't really get rid of them. And, well, but, but, but aside from the costs of it, which I think that I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm just throwing an argument out, out here. I'm not, I haven't like looked into this too deeply. So take that for what it is. But when it comes to the social incentives, I think tenure, it's clear to me that tenure creates a more extreme monoculture as the years go by. And there's two reasons for that. Like one is that, um, I think that, that, that the tenure track in general, what does it do? What does it tell you? What if you, if you are an adjunct and you have this like carrot dangling in front of you and it is this, this, d- the desire to get land a tenure track position and then slowly work your way up and you actually get tenure. What do you do in that time that those 15 years, uh, you keep your mouth shut. You keep your mouth shut and you please who? You please, you know, the, the, the hiring committee or whoever it is that, that helps, um, get you that position many of many of which are faculty i think maybe all of them are faculty um correct me if i'm right. wrong here, well actually and, but. And probably administrators as well but but okay i i look i don't actually disagree with you i just don't know what the solution is because look even if you get rid of tenure and and people they hire full professors and there's a you know entire there's a, a system for hiring that is rigorous people are still going to be keeping their mouths shut in order to not lose their job. Look, there's no not, doubt not that, that people that kick, their, kick way, their feet right? up on their desk after they get tenure and do nothing. That is definitely a scenario. But there's also, I mean, people in the in the arts, I, you know, if like get, having a tenure track, having a tenured job like as a writer or as an artist or something like that like that is tremendously helpful because if you don't have that then a whole other form of conformity sets in where you're constantly applying for grants and and things that are even more politicized in the university system i I don't know i mean i think I, i think it's really complicated like even scientists are constantly having to apply for grants and research funding to kind of you know complement their salary. Their salaries are not even like full salaries. They are expected to go out and get their own research dollars. So it's, it's a, just a very complicated mix. And like, I don't, yeah, I don't like I, in principle I with disagree you. with you. I don't disagree that it, there's a lot of things that are making the soup terrible. Like I, I, and I, I think that that's, that's pretty self-evidently true. Definitely the administrative bloat is its own thing. It's its own problem. Um, I'm just talking about like in, in particular, if you just take this one aspect and you remove it, will the whole soup get better or worse? Like, is, yeah, is it going know. to make things better or is it going to, I think it's going to make things better because of the, 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 the carrot won't be as, you know, enticing and it won't be as lengthy as well. Like to get to that point, 
you have to keep your mouth. What is, it's not even just that you, you have to conform for that period of time. When you make that a condition of getting this, like, just this amazing, like, thing at the end, the kinds of people who can't keep their mouth shut are, going to be disqualified from that position no matter yeah. what just because they they have right. those temperatures. which i think that is new and i think i think that's new you that's i mean like you won't be able to like so. right well because, no, no, because who no, are you being I, judged no by the faculty right and then the faculty keeps getting more and more conformist over time because yeah the faculty stay? that used to who hire make it exactly exactly so you know i i used to teach at, at columbia as an adjunct and you know i i love columbia i loved being a student there i love teaching there um, I don't know what the situation would be if I tried to go back to teaching there. Maybe it would be fine. But I can tell you that the people who championed me and who hired me and wanted me to teach there have mostly retired. Like, mm-hmm. that was an entirely different generation. Those were my teachers, yeah. in fact. Yeah. And um, I mean, I'm, I'm curious because I'm curious about your experience because, you know, even as an undergrad, I feel like you know, there were definitely activist professors and, you know, known Marxists and this kind of thing. And, but we went into the class knowing that. And I, I just feel like the students, we were pretty, um, we were pretty like self-directed when it came to knowing who, who to take seriously. And I, I don't know. It was just, I feel like we weren't necessarily in there for like, any kind of cult of personality. I mean, there was definitely some of that going on. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. Like you would take one class and talk about it and you take another one and you talk so, to your friends. And, you and the took whole, writing, you know, right? Like this was your, um, yeah, but I took, I was got a liberal arts degree. I mean, I took sure, all, I sure. took anthropology. I took sociology, I took all the kinds of classes, but, and you know, the thing too was if you challenged your professor in the class, that's how you got a good grade. I think maybe that has changed. I don't know, but we critical thinking was like the highest possible value in my college, you know, in my time. I don't know. I just, don't, I just feel like it's all like, there's a vision of what higher, higher education should be. Uh, I don't know if in reality, that's what it is. I don't, college was not a you know mind-blowing experience for me i wasn't uh, exposed to all these amazing ideas uh i wasn't that you got really into camus professors. what about your camus phase camus had, but professors had nothing to do with that that was on my own you know i was reading on my own and i was discovering all these like amazing philosophers yeah, so you, and i was educating myself from, from youtube university yeah, but YouTube I, look, I do think that you know, better um, in so many ways, frankly, like I, that's I, what I I'm saying. Like- I actually, yeah, I know. I, I actually think that the higher education is rapidly losing its value. I would be very curious to know, to see what parents are going to do in 20 years, like what your generation of parents is going to do. I mean, uh, I already, I'm, I'm a, fascinated. Be- yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's simply uh they're simply gatekeepers for jobs. You know, that's I would tell my kid to go to college because I wouldn't want them to face uh a job market without a degree. And that's that's the only reason. There's mm-hmm. uh, not because I think they're going to go there and they're going to get educated and they're going to really understand the world now because I have no idea. There might be one or two good professors who teach them things worth knowing and expand their horizons and all of that. Uh, and then there might be many more who teach them nothing. But of course, this is coming from a liberal arts, like mindset and liberal arts background. Yeah, what if they very want to different. be engineers? That they need to. Go I think to it's college. very different. Yeah, with 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 like technical, like with with ca- the kinds of fields where 
you're really grounded in the real world. I, I mean, and that's another reason that I think tenure makes things worse, especially for liberal arts, because again, counterintuitively, there's this idea that if you don't have to worry about finances, if I don't have to worry about finances, then I'm going to just say whatever I want to say. And I would just be, I would have like, you know, fuck you money. And when I have fuck you money, I'll finally speak out, you know, like I will, <laughs> then I will stop self-censoring. Ever said they had but, that's a, money. but they, but they, th- that is their underlying, the underlying premise is that I am freer now to be truthful and to follow the truth wherever it goes and to be courageous because I just have, I'm risking less. But I think that this is, an understanding of human nature that is flawed. It's a, it's a very, it's an intuitive understanding. And I understand why people think that. I used to think that. I don't think that's what actually happens. I don't think that, uh, people arrive at truth when they are just free to arrive at it because I think people, we don't like the truth. The truth sucks. The truth is not, doesn't make anybody feel good. Yes, anybody. Well, we, we you know what I mean? Like, it literally no one can handle it literally it it is in no one's favor it's in it's on no one's side there is no political bias for truth like truth hates everyone equally and when we are truthful um yeah i think we do have this like higher order like desire to be truthful because we see this as a like an amazing beautiful value but in 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 our actual day-to-day why why are humans truth why do humans human why does humanity care about what is true we care about what is true because it's 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 existentially useful <laughs> like it's it, it, it we will die well, also you can solve problems i mean i i just think like, if you can't right. state the problem correctly you're never you have no hope of solving it obviously right um, so it, it, if you have problems if you, Megan, have a problem, then you care about the truth because you want to find a solution to that problem. If, Megan, you don't have that problem and other people have that problem instead, and you just like, you're just so compassionate because you just care so much about their well-being, you know, and then you're investigating the problem. That's a different, that's an entirely different incentive. And it is one that is far more warped and, and, and distorted. And I think that's what we're seeing. That's what tenure, you know, to the extent that, uh, you have skin in the game. You know, financial incentives actually keep you like it, it, it is a form of having skin in the game. You know, it, it, I wrote about this a little yeah. bit on my on my Substack. Um, and it's an article called uh, How Tenure Fosters Conformity. But I um, I was thinking about it based on, you know, like what was happening with covid. I it, it was I had this weird um, you know, on my feed, I follow a lot of lefty people, I follow right wing people, I follow like all a huge mix. And I was seeing how different the kind of sources of information they were. But also, I was noticing a class distinction, too. I was noticing that it, it for, for blue collar kind of like people who are having to go out into the real world. Yeah, you uh, actually, they have a very not a laptop, jockey. not a laptop yes. guy. Yeah, yeah. They have skin mm-hmm. in the game when it comes to conversations about lockdowns, when it comes to conversations about masking, because they actually have to go yeah. physically. They have to be the ones to put on the masks. They have to be the ones who send their school, send their kids to places where they have to put on masks. They have to be, they're, they're the ones that are living with the political consequences that everybody was voting for, including people who never have to deal with the consequences, you know? And I think that that made it so that this laptop class was was less they were less willing to consider um the on the ground realities of the policies that they were voting for and extrapolating that to just 
academia and this tenure conversation, the more that we remove people who are supposed to be finding the truth from a reality check, you know, like from the kind of conditions that would expose them to to reality, the worse off they become. But that's most people going into academia anyway regardless of tenure like that's, somebody yeah. who I mean, wants so to the, be I mean, that's is, another problem like, I agree. By, there by are definition li- living it I mean although yeah. I have to say so many more people go to college now like there's so many more first generation students there are immigrants I, I think this the, the, I don't think it's obvious the student body is changing that's part of the reason all these administrators have been hired like you know there, there's there's a bunch of reasons I mean some of them have to do with government um you know government Guide, government issued guidelines like the Clary Act and Title IX and all that kind of stuff. You need, you, you know, apparatchiks to work through all that stuff. But another reason is that you've got a lot of students who are on financial aid, who have grants, who have funding, and you need people to like pr- help them pr- process that. And you've just got, you, mm-hmm. there's more hand holding going on, partly because of the cognitive factor. Yes. These guys. But there's, I was never, okay. I was a well, you are, you are special, student, but like, no, but I didn't, I, I didn't know. actually well, get this attention. Gigantic university. But I mean, yeah. I think Yale has, I think I read this, Yale has one administrator for every student or something like that. Like, oh my gosh, everybody has like an IEP, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. I just feel like, like you just don't need I that. Mean, it's not necessary. No, I, I don't know why. So like, yeah. And are they also, um, are they uh, like in the dorms? Like this is the other thing I don't understand. Like it, I cannot imagine there being one administrator for every student. Like I don't even like, are they living like in the housing? Like I don't, we had Do RAs, you- like we had upperclassmen who were supposed to be like in charge of you. If any, nobody was in charge. What did they do? Maybe there was like a little what faculty. Do do? What did the, what did the, fa- what did the administrators how, do? I don't understand. I think how a lot of it is work. mental health stuff. All day. Well, they make every, work. Like, I mean, there isn't, work, there right. isn't. There so isn't they, could, work, so they right. make work. They make yeah. work. Yeah. But I think like, you know, we have so many, um, uh, students with, they say that they have a disability or like they have, you know, I was reading something like the, the amount of therapy animals that now, um, come onto campus with the students every year. It's, you know, there was a funny thing. Um, someone was passing this around, uh, in the unspeakeasy community. Somebody posted, there's like a, there were some photo spread of like dorm room decor. I mean, this was astonishing. Like these were real, these photographs of like the way that the probably the the, the mothers, I'm sure, had like gone all out with these like extreme, like designer, roughly matching bedspreads and like plush carpet. I mean, like spending thousands of dollars. And you can actually hire interior designers to oh, design nice. your dorm room for okay. you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, it's a it's a different, it's a different landscape. Um, but I again I just think it's a whole bunch of things. As is everything. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, no, I, I, everything I is due to a whole bunch of things. I, I will say that, uh, the, um, I think, I think the final word in tenure is that, uh, I, when I was in my twenties, um, I had a, I had a, I had a boyfriend who, um, you know, was not exactly an, an intellectual, uh, he was an airline pilot. Okay. I'll just say he was an airline pilot. And, uh, I was, we were hanging out with some friends of mine in New York, which was interesting. And uh, somebody said, oh, did you hear so-and-so got tenure? And everybody was, you know, excited. And uh, my boyfriend starts going like, oh, whoa, oh, yikes. Like, oh, boy. 
And uh, I think he thought that tenure was a sexually transmitted disease. Like somebody had got gotten tenure, like they had contracted it. No, okay, he but like he must have been really head. stupid. If like if like everybody else is congratulating them, then then he really. I don't know. He was own. just like he heard the word. And I know, but he like was contextually, like, like take a look at how other people like, are reacting. He must have been really. Yeah, well, okay. I don't. And know. that guy's anyway, in the sky but, right now. He's yeah, flying an airplane he's in the sky. around. But you know, oh my god, he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. No. My, my feeling oh my at the time was like, you're right. It kind of it kind of is like sexually transmitted disease. Tenure. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. All right. Anyway. All right. Well, um, we're going to wrap this portion up, but we're going to do some bonus. What are we talking about in the bonus? Uh, I want to talk about this uh, really interesting study. It was actually from uh, two years ago, 2021, and it never got published for interest for reasons that we'll 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 find out about uh the political values of of uh academics so it's very much in line with what we just talked about and um you're not going to be super surprised but it is it is an it's going to be uh an interesting discussion i think and um i do want to remind people about my debate which i by the time this will have aired i might have already lost in which case, don't You're look it up. You're not going to lose, Sarah. Um, don't You're, look it up. Don't. You may you know, lose the battle, lose, actually. But you will win the, the entire war. culture war. I don't yes. even know. I don't so know this about is, that. This is your debate with... You're going to come to LA. I get to see you in person. Yeah. And uh, this is your debate of... With, um, with the the free press is sponsoring this. You and Grimes uh, naturally are going to be going head to head with uh, Louise Perry and Anya Kachin. Yeah, so I think this topic will have dro- yeah. This will be dropping right around the time that actually the debate is going on. Maybe the, there won't be any tickets available. Maybe no, at but this if there are moment that people are listening, it's going to be going on. Oh no! Yeah. And we should oh say that God. the yeah. debate is not people. People have asked if the debate's going to be live streamed. No, of course not. not. No, they need to come in person and see it. And I'm going to be there. Several of my ladies from the Unspeakeasy community are flying in on airplanes, uh, flown by. Tenure boyfriend pilot misunderstanding pilots. Uh, yeah. So there's going to be a lot of folks there and it's yeah. at the ACE theater in downtown Pressure's LA on. in September. I'm, 18th. I'm nervous, but I'm also excited. I think it'll be, I think it'll be fun. Um, and yeah. I hope to see, you know, they, they, they've just asked, they asked me what I, what I want to do with my hair and makeup. So maybe I'll come out all like Kardashian, like glammed out. I think that'd be nice because I'm I'm like for oh. the sexual revolution, so I think I should really embody it. I what yeah, think? I think you should just dress like Madonna, or maybe you should wear a meat dress like Lady Gaga, something like oh, that. Yeah, that's maybe you should change. There's going to be an after party, so you should have a costume change. You should wear oh, one thing God. for the event, and then you should do costume change because there's going to be a whole. So I'm going to have to buy another afterwards. thing. I already bought one outfit, and now I got to buy two outfits. I don't even, I don't know about that. I can't Always. afford this. I can't, I can't, I can't afford this. Okay. Um, well, come to the debate if it's, That's you know, we if have it's still, if this is dropped early enough that you can come to it. Um, or just uh, hang out and wait because I think it, it will be online at some point. Um, oh, it will so be. Okay. Do. Okay. Yeah, I think, I think so. Um, okay. Do they need to know anything about the Substack? Uh, yeah. Um, subscribe. We're oh, going to be changing things. We're going to be, yeah, yeah, we 
the, the, the Substack is how you can get access to our communities, um, like our little comment communities. And often the bonus, we address, you know, people's comments. Um, and it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a discussion. It's kind of like a conversation, um, which I really kinda. like. It is. Kind of, except where we know, slip into your DMs. Yeah. Sort of. We slip into the we comments. Do. We do. Uh, so if you want to, if you want to be a part of that, if you want to get the bonus, uh, which is like a good lengthy bit every time, that's the way to do it. Go to a special place.substack.com and you can subscribe there and get, get access to everything. Uh, it's $6 a month. It's not that much. It's really nothing. We're basically giving it away for free, except it's not technically free, but we're basically paying you. We're paying you. Yeah. Yeah. We Hmm. definitely are. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, all right. Sounds all right. good. All right. On to the bonus. See you next time. See you next time. Okay.